0: The best weapon you can have in the Prohibition War is your mind. Fill your head with the knowledge you need by checking out this latest entry in the Russ Belleville Show's Reformers Reader.
1: All right. Welcome back, everyone. It's 45 after the hour. And joining us in our Reformers Reader is a great guest to the show. We've got the former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Jesse Ventura. Jesse, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Uh, you, your new book is Marijuana Manifesto. It's your 10th book, and I think the first question on my mind is, what inspired you to want to write about marijuana? It's not the first thing people think of when they think of Jesse Ventura.
2: Well, because it, it, it I'll, I'll get into the story, but it gave me back my quality of life. That if it wasn't for marijuana, I would not have the quality of life that I was used to and that I enjoyed <laughs> and it isn't from me but I'll just state this it dealt with uh, it dealt with a person close to me who uh, started suffering epileptic seizures disorder and started seizing it got so bad it was three to four times a week and I was in the middle of all this and so my life was completely turned upside down not to say that the person seizing of course their life was turned upside down but mine along with it and the person went to the doctors and they put the person on four different seizure pharmaceutical seizure medicines one the next the next the next none of them worked the seizures continued and all of them had horrible side effects so finally we Uh, the person went to Colorado and got uh, at the time called medical marijuana and it was three drops under the tongue three times a day in fact uh, had a seizure on the way there and when the marijuana was started then the seizure stopped. Uh, Now in Minnesota uh, it's legal medical marijuana and it's changed over to two pills a day and she, the person has not had a seizure in over two and a half years now. And uh, I attribute it completely to marijuana. The only sad thing is because Minnesota's laws are so restrictive, uh, what would cost $30 in Colorado
1: costs 600 here. Mm. And that's one of the impacts of uh, these medical marijuana laws as they've unfurled in this country is that they've gotten more and more restrictive as they've gone on. I would posit that that has to do with them trying to keep it out of the hands of the people who aren't supposed to have it. And that leads us to the discussion of marijuana legalization, which you touch on in the book. Uh, we got a lot of states voting on it this year. Uh, what do you think so far of the legalization regimes that have gone down in Colorado, Washington, and the other states?
2: I think it's wonderful. Uh, it's, it's, when you read in my book, you'll read the history of marijuana. And I I think people need to read that to understand that uh, in today's world, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and probably Ben Franklin would all be uh, arrested by the DEA. They would be charged and probably serving 10 to 12 years in federal prison for being drug dealers. Because marijuana remains a Schedule One, which is ridiculous. It's the only thing out there where law enforcement gets to, to say what it is. Nothing else, all other laws, are made by elected officials and carried out by legislatures and Congress and things like that. But on this one, the DEA gets to do it. Well, they benefit directly from it. They make money off keeping it illegal. And again, you look at, it was the economic backbone of our country for 160 years. There was a time when we were the colonies where Britain actually ordered the colonies to grow it because they needed it and didn't have the space to grow it. Uh, Britain's only about the size of the state of New York. And they didn't have the vast areas in the South and all that. And marijuana was the number one crop in the South until the invention of the cotton gin. Mm -hmm. When the cotton gin got invented, then marijuana fell behind cotton for clothing and all of that. But it was the backbone. You could actually, in those days, trade marijuana with England in lieu of money. Mm -hmm. And it was accepted in the barter system. And uh, then, of course, the 30s came along, and William Randolph Hearst and his 26 newspapers, and uh, he used it like today, bought off the politicians in uh, Washington, got it declared illegal because he wanted to corner the market on the paper industry in the fact that, uh, uh, He owned thousands of acres of timberland and all these newspapers, and marijuana hemp makes better paper than wood. It's much more renewable, so what he did in the spirit of capitalism, he just got his competition eliminated by the law. Mm-hmm. which is absurd. And so Eddie and did it through articles in all of his 26 papers that were horrid. They were racist. They attributed the devil weed to black people. They insinuated that Mexicans smoked it, and that's why they were all lazy, and all of these racial things that were just... It, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up it, to a predominantly white country at that time, A white, the white power was the power in the country, you know, people of color had no power, so they were scapegoated with marijuana, and then, you know, and the rest is history now. But it just, it's ridiculous, it's jobs waiting to happen. Colorado's got, what, 300 million new dollars this year to spend on their schools because of taxing pot? Uh, I know the first windfall out of Washington was that their judicial budget in the first year fell 15%, and I can tell you as a governor, that's mammoth. Mm -hmm. That's hundreds of millions of dollars right there that you're not spending. People fail to realize whenever someone gets arrested for anything, it costs you money because it's your tax dollars that have to do the arresting. So uh, while we arrest all these people, and then, and then I'm going to go on with this, and then I'll let you back in. <laughs> Every time, you, you, got the, you got the stuff with the national anthem right now, you yeah. know, with, with Kaepernick and all that. I laugh when I hear the national anthem today. You know why I laugh at it? Uh-uh. When it gets to the part home of the brave and land of the free. <laughs> yeah, And we have, we have more people in prison than any other country in the world. How do we call What hypocrisy? How can we possibly call ourselves land of the free when
1: you ain't free if you're sitting in jail? (laughs) Exactly. We're speaking with uh, former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura. His new book is called Marijuana Manifesto. It's extensively annotated. I I hear 40 pages of footnotes, so you've certainly done your research. And you mentioned the, uh, the, the 30s and Hearst and the demonization of marijuana. And there are some in our movement, and in fact, there's a, a book out called Cannabis Manifesto. There are some in our movement that bristle at the word marijuana. Uh, why did you choose that as the title as your, of your book? And do you share any of that uh, concern about using the word marijuana versus cannabis?
2: Well, cannabis, that's kind of like you know, <laughs> that's like being an atheist or a non-believer. <laughs> You know, you go through that if you're one of those, you know, are you, because atheists sound so harsh and non-believers sounds much more acceptable. But the point of the matter is, why not use marijuana? That's what it was called when I was growing up. You know that's what I grew up with it I'm a product of the 60s I was in my teen years in the 60s graduated high school 1969 and back then it wasn't referred to as cannabis so if I make the mistake and we should call it cannabis I guess we call it marijuana I call it marijuana because that's what it was called back in the days when I went and saw Jimi Hendrix like July 25th 1970 Mm. it was called marijuana back then so I'll spike it off to my
1: youth. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me jealous with the uh, Hendrix concert there. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little younger than you are, and dang it, I'd only been two years old. But I, I still would have wanted to go. Uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, the Marijuana Manifesto is the book, and this is uh, uh, it's interesting to me that you came about uh, wanting to write this book based on you know the experiences of someone you know dealing with a medical issue. Prior to that. Had this been something on your political radar? Had this been something? Oh yeah, been- I I tried
2: I tried when I was governor to get legalization of cannabis. You know, at that time, uh, you know, uh, when I was governor, I couldn't get I could get no cooperation. You see, I was an independent, mm-hmm. and with independence, if you elect independence, you'll get to issue like this. But if you continue to elect Democrats and Republicans, then it's the status quo. I couldn't even get anyone to hardly carry a bill on it. Hmm. You know, Same thing held true when I, uh, they want to build all these sports stadiums, right? This hmm. is a little off on another subject, but I had a way they could build all the stadiums they want. And it wouldn't cost the taxpayer a dollar and that is legalized sports betting. Yeah. It's a $3 billion a year industry in Minnesota, $3 billion. Now, if we take what a bookie gets, 10%, that's $300 million new dollars a year. Mm. I mean, you could build this new Viking Stadium in four years and have it all paid for just on the gambling that's illegal. See, that's the big problem here. When you make things illegal, they still go on. You just get no benefits from them because they're run by criminals and there's no tax revenue made on them. In fact, you pay. We, since Nixon declared the war on drugs, we've paid like a trillion dollars. Have we been successful? Absolutely not. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an unwinnable war. Uh, as I said when I was governor, people are going to do, in, in freedom, you have to accept the yin and the yang of it. You want freedom, but also part of that freedom is the freedom to be stupid. <laughs> and, and man is going to do things that are stupid. And like I told my staff when I was governor, I said, you can't legislate against stupidity. People will do stupid things, and you can't make every stupid thing against the law. And that's what we try to do with people, because in what's supposed to be a free country, if you take drugs, quote, or ingest anything in your body, in a free country, how can you commit a crime against yourself?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So does this, uh, your stand then on uh, legalizing marijuana, is is that extend to other drugs, prostitution, gambling?
2: yeah, for me the big picture, absolutely. Now, when you say because it, it all comes down to addiction. Addiction's a disease, and I, I, okay, I'll give you a good high, 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 uh, a good comparison here. Let's 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 think of a, a situation like this. Imagine if all the Starbucks and all the coffee disappeared tomorrow morning and people couldn't get their caffeine addiction. Hmm. What do you think would happen tomorrow? <laughs> I think you'd have anarchy. I think you'd have chaos in the streets. Yeah, indeed. And anybody that had any, boy, they better be have a conceal and carry because someone's going to steal it from them.
1: <laughs> Good point. <laughs> now you, uh, you brought up, uh, sports and politics. A couple of the things I wanted to get to, uh, before we leave the marijuana issue, though, uh, as as legalization has un, uh, unfolded in, in Colorado, we've got these industries now that are being built around it. And we've also got celebrities that are jumping in, some that we would expect, like Willie Nelson or Snoop Dogg, others who kind of caught people by surprise, like uh, the former governor of New Mexico, Gary Johnson, was the CEO of one of these companies. What do you think about the industry side of this? And would you ever consider putting your name on some sort of cannabis brand?
2: Absolutely, I've put word out, and no one seems to want it. So I thought I'd write a book, <laughs> and and, uh, and so no, uh, seriously, I uh, I think it's wonderful. It's it's a whole economic boom to our economy waiting to happen. I mean, how many people out there work in the alcohol industry? How many people out there work in the tobacco industry? Now those are two legal drugs when improperly used or properly used can kill you. Marijuana's never killed anybody, or cannabis. You know, and and you can't overdose with cannabis. You can drink and binge drinking. Look, it's a problem at college. These kids, you know, binge drink and they die. Well, that can't happen with cannabis. You can't smoke enough in one night to die from it. It's never happened. If it does happen, it'll be the first time. And and so when you look at it from a safety standpoint, and then you get the argument from people, well, the cannabis today is way more powerful than the cannabis in the 60s. That might be. But just the same as alcohol. You have different strains of marijuana, uh, just as you have maybe a liqueur that's only 18%, or you can go out and drink 151 rum. You know, one of them's going to knock you into tomorrow, and the other one you probably handle all night long. Mm-hmm. Well, the same can be said, in on the side of if you're an inhaler. Say you're a smoker of the cannabis. Well, if it's more potent, you may have to only take one puff, And you're good for how long? Where in the old days, in the 60s, you might have to take a dozen puffs or smoke the whole cannabis cigarette. Well, that means you're inhaling more smoke in your lungs, aren't Mm you? So the less smoke, the better. And if it's more potent, that's not necessarily a negative thing.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh Because you
1: can't overdose it. Right, right. Uh, Well, uh, Governor Ventura, i got to tell you, uh, checking out our live chat room here at CannabisRadio.com, we've got uh, a a grower out there in central Oregon who says it was an area settled by Minnesota loggers, and he welcomes you out there if you want to start your brand. Another one of our chatters says – another another one of our (laughs) our chatters – Tell him I appreciate (laughs) it, but
2: I don't think – I've had a very multiple, multiple careers – But Farmer hasn't appeared yet, and I don't (laughs) know, I'm 65 now. I don't think I got a green thumb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another one of our chatters uh, has come up with the name for the Jesse Ventura marijuana cigarettes. He calls them Ventura Highway. How's that? Well, not bad.
3: Not bad. You know,
2: like I I said, I I would be open to it, because for me, I like to do a lot of firsts and uh, I just signed with uh, with RT America. That's Russian television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, my agent is uh, William Morris Endeavor, one of the largest agencies in the world, out of L.A. And they told me that I was the first person, that they, the first client, where they ever negotiated with Russia. Oh wow. For my services. Interesting. Which is what they do. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so I, that's a first there. So I put a feather in my cap on that. So if somebody out there would, would offer me an advertising deal, I, uh, for cannabis, I'd jump at it because I'd like to be the first elected official to officially put my name on something that should be legal. That it, to me, it, this is bigger than, than cannabis too. This is an opportunity for us, the people, to rise up and tell our government that we are the boss. Because over 50% of people now across the board, and the more all the time when they see the good results and get educated, want cannabis legal. Mm -hmm. Well, it's our government that's telling us we can't. And we need to understand they work for us. We don't work for them.
1: That's right. As
2: much as they want to make you believe that, that they lord over us, cannabis could be the issue that really throws it in their face. You know, we had to start with Bernie Sanders' people. And believe it or not, Sanders' people and Trump's people are the same. They're just at the opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've, 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 I've heard that analysis before myself. Oh,
2: yeah. They're, just, they're on the opposite ends, but they're both calling for ending the status quo.
3: Yes, yes.
2: We're you speak- know, one from the far right, the other from the far left.
3: Exactly. And,
2: and it's an amazing phenomenon when you watch it take part over the last year and a half. Oh, yeah. And then you watch the two parties destroy it and stifle it down. Well, cannabis could be the issue where we can rise up and tell our government that we're in charge. We want this product. We want to be able to, you know, here's a quote. You want an original quote from me? Yes, sir. Here it is. I've said it many times, having grown up in the 60s marijuana or cannabis is to rock and roll what beer is to baseball so imagine if they took away beer at the ball game
1: mm, that would be a tragedy well they just it's
2: a tragedy because they've tried to take mar- cannabis i'm trying to say the
1: words right Oh, you, you, i'm not the one they're who's try- got the problem with marijuana i love the word marijuana. <laughs> yeah,
2: well anyway they're trying to take it away i mean I grew up going to concerts in the 60s, and you could go there with nothing, and it was sent right down the line, and everyone had a wonderful time, and it was some of the greatest times in this country, I think. Yeah. And and, and believe it or not, from age 18 to 22 and a half, or 23 and a half, I was in the United States Navy.
1: Yes, sir. And uh, uh, we're you speaking, know. folks, if you just joined us, we're speaking with uh, Governor Jesse Ventura. His new book is called Marijuana Manifesto, and it's available through Amazon and other outlets. And I wanted to get toward that political discussion because, you know, your career fascinates me as someone who rose uh, past the two-party politics and managed to become governor of Minnesota as an independent. This year in the presidential race, we've got the two least liked major party candidates ever. What should be the big opening for a third party candidate to make a splash, and yet Governor Johnson and Dr. Stein, between the two of them, can't even register 15% in the polls. How do we break this logjam?
2: Well, you break it by voting for them. Simple as that. But here's the problem you must, it's an unlevel playing field for them. Number one, the media never talks about them, never shows their faces when they show the other two everything's focused on the two-party dictatorship. And the media's bought and sold by the same corporations that own the two parties. So it's all in a big circle, and if you're not in that inner circle, you're left out. What happened in Minnesota was this. I was polling no better than Gary Johnson, 9% at Labor Day, but I was allowed in the debates. In 60 days, I became the governor of Minnesota because I was allowed in the debates. The problem with the presidential debates, guess who gets decided, who gets in? The Democrats and Republicans. Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones that had the federal debate commission, this so-called nonpartisan commission. Well, it's nonpartisan for the Democrats and Republicans, but it's very partisan for third parties. They set this un, Unbelievable high standard of fifteen percent in the state of Minnesota. If you get five percent on a statewide election, you're considered a major party. Five hmm. percent. Yet at the, at the federal level, and who set the standard of fifteen? Where is that in law that you have to have fifteen percent to be included in the debates? Yeah. And and I proved it. I went from 9% in 60 days and became governor of Minnesota because I was, and you should have seen him scrambling to cancel debates because (laughs) as soon as I hit the first debate, oh boy, my numbers started heading straight up. And the other two sides were canceling out. We had a debate scheduled in front of uh, representatives of all the high schools in the state of Minnesota that planned for a year. And and, uh, the other, the major parties backed out of it because I was zooming to the top. So, and they had to do it. You got people need to understand this is the dirtiest business going and people who are involved in it. Obviously, for lack of better term, will jump into the mud with the pigs and the pigs love it. Mm -hmm. Follow me.
3: Yes. Gotcha.
2: This is the politics is the dirtiest, rottenest underhanded business there is they will do anything to win there's no ethics involved they when i was in office they never attacked my policies they attacked me personally then they went so far as to the media to attack my children Mm. you know and that's what you're facing here that a lot of people wanted me to run for president, but I couldn't bring myself to go in on the whole hundred percent of doing the job because I fought back. And, I, and, and But I will tell you this. Had I run and say I got the libertarian, I'd have been in the debates. I'd have shamed them into it. You know how I would have did it? Yeah. I would have said... Hillary and Donald, you two want to be the commander-in-chief of the military. Well, I have something neither of you have. It's called an honorable discharge from the United States Navy. And you want to be the commander-in-chief? That requires a person with courage. You don't even have the courage to debate me. Mm. And yet you want to run the military and you want to tell me that you have the courage to do it? Yeah, yeah. I'd have shamed him into it.
1: Well done. Uh Jesse Ventura, uh the book is Marijuana Manifesto and so looking at the uh at the the fact that we've got this setup system where we're going to be force fed these two uh candidates. Oh, it's rigged.
2: It's it's rigged from anyone outside the two parties, it's completely rigged against
1: you. Yeah. Do you do you see though uh is there any any lick of difference? To which one of those people might become president, as far as politics or even marijuana goes?
2: Maybe, maybe. Well, Hillary gives you the typical chicken politician answer. She says that oh, there has to be more studies on cannabis. No, there doesn't. Uh, that university over in Israel and the doctor I might add funded by the United States. Uh, he knows it all. And and he's already unequivocally said it could help out the head traumas in the National Football League. They've already said that marijuana cannabis can help post-traumatic stress for all the young and men, women. We're sending off to these vile wars that we can't get out of worldwide. It, it, it has so many medical uses that really whoever banned it, I think, should go to jail because they've denied humanity uh, and for all the religious people out there, um, isn't part of your religion that God put everything here? Well, what right do we as man have then to destroy a creation of God? Mm. Cause God made marijuana.
1: First page of the book. So, uh, uh Governor Ventura, I, I'm wondering, uh, so, Oh, I'm sorry. It looks like we've just disconnected, unfortunately, uh, with the governor. My apologies. Let's see if we can, uh, get him back on the line here. We just, uh, pushed the wrong button. I hate it when that happens. We will, uh, bring him right back as soon as I can get that number pasted back in. And here we go. We'll dial back out to Governor Jesse Ventura, uh, talking to us from his home. Sorry about the disconnection there. Uh, uh, Governor Ventura, Russ Belville again, sorry for the disconnection. No, no
2: problem. Anyway, I'll finish my train of thought. God, God made marijuana, hemp. And so why, I don't, and, and, and allegedly, everything was put here for us to use. And hemp has so many uses, it's criminal. It's it's that they're not using it. I mean, it's biodiesel fuel to help us get off Middle Eastern oil, although I say let's get off of all these engines and go solar completely. But uh, anyway, that's another story. But it's clothing. I mean, I love to tell this one. How can it be any more American than the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and Betsy Ross's original flag are made out of it?
1: Mm, very good point uh governor ventura
2: you know, i mean can I, can I if i was in a courtroom i think i could say i rest my case
1: <laughs> well said <laughs> uh now governor ventura uh you briefly touched on sports and of course people uh know you uh from your past uh, as the body one of our chat room people wanted to know uh, are you still uh, working out are you still pumping iron
2: Oh, yeah. I just trained differently today. I'm actually, right now, two pounds more than I was when I got out of the United States Navy. Wow. Okay. I weighed 228 when I got out of the Navy. I'm about 230 right now. I lift weights yet, I, uh, but I do nothing less than 20 repetitions per set. I do 300 reps a workout five to six days a week depending on the body part and then i really focus in on the elliptic machine because i had a hip done a few back in 08 and my surgeon at the Mayo clinic he doesn't believe anyone over 40 should run not that they're incapable of doing it but the pounding yeah. it'll jar and pound your body apart and with the technology we have today, like elliptic machines and all that equipment you have, I actually listened, and I switched over to the elliptic machine. And right now, I do anywhere from a marathon to 40 miles a week.
4: Wow.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And,
2: and, and, I, and I'm on Medicare now. I just turned 65 this summer.
1: <laughs> well done, Governor Ventura. Glad to hear it. And uh, along that same line of questioning, I had my own question from my childhood that I wanted to ask and that is, aside from yourself, who do you consider to be the three greatest professional wrestlers of all time?
2: Oh, yeah, again, yeah, that's difficult to do. It's like anything. You, you can't compare generations to generations, like, you know, comparing Babe Ruth to Hank Aaron, comparing whatever to whatever. It's just like in this year's Olympics. uh, What's his name? Bella Cry, the big gymnastics Uh coach. They asked to compare this young girl from the U.S. to uh, Nadia Komenich, his first great student that he took to the gold medal. And he said, you can't do that. It's unfair. It's different times. And and so you can't uh, you know, who's the three greatest, who knows? That's that's ultimately in the world of pro wrestling, that's in the eyes of the fans.
1: It was, uh, you know, I,
2: I, I can't sit here and tell you who's who the three greatest are mm-hmm. I will say this, I'm the greatest talker.
1: <laughs> well, no doubt about that, Governor.
2: Uh, <laughs> now as we, and in uh, my day and in my day they always said the money was made at the
1: mic. <laughs> there you go. Was it was uh, was marijuana ever a concern in pro wrestling back in the day? I, I mean, I've heard lately it's well, been tested for. It, it,
2: it, not a concern, you know. I, I they, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say any really. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Uh, it 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 was used for the same things that they would use it today for pain and other additional things that, uh, in my opinion, are far better than having to go to pharma. I mean, we here in Minnesota just lost Prince. Yes. And we didn't lo- we didn't lose Prince to marijuana. We lost him to pharmaceuticals.
1: Yeah, specifically, we lost him to fentanyl. And in Arizona, yeah. one of the makers of fentanyl has donated a half million dollars to try to defeat legalization there.
2: Yeah, of course, because they want you on those pills. I mean, when you look at the the epidemic going on throughout this country right now with opiates, it's scary. And yet, here's some re- here's some instant feedback too. Everywhere they've legalized marijuana, heroin use has dropped. Mm-hmm. So it runs in the face of them when they sold us back from the 30s on that it was a gateway drug that you'd smoke pot today and in two years you'll be on heroin in the gutter. Well, this is proving that that is not true at all. In fact, the opposite holds true. There's less going to that extreme if if access to marijuana or hemp is available Mm. or
1: cannabis. Governor Ventura's book is called Marijuana Manifesto. You can check it out at uh, Amazon.com and other fine retailers as well. And, uh, Governor, of course, we've got uh, 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 about three minutes left here. And this November, we've got nine states on the ballot, four with medical marijuana, five with legalization, and most— most importantly california with its prop 64 legalization is on the ballot uh, are there are, are you in support of these measures generally california specifically should people uh, take a look at these and vote for them
2: i haven't read it completely but be wary be wary because what i say by that is the one that got voted down in ohio mm-hmm. it was good that it did Because be wary, what the government's trying to do is make it to where you're going to have to buy all your cannabis from, say, an Mm Amheuser-Busch, a big corporation, and they're writing these laws that allow the corporations to take over the business. You know, And I think that's the big thing the cannabis people don't want to have happen. They want poor people to have access to it. We yeah. want the freedom. Even today, uh, I'll finish with this. It's still not legal in Colorado, not completely. You want to know why? Yeah. I can go to Colorado and I can buy as much tobacco product as I want and fill up a pickup truck, right? No one would say a word to me. I could go to a liquor store in Colorado, and I could empty out as much liquor as my credit card would hold, and it would all be legal, and no one would say a word. Yet, a state resident can only purchase one ounce at a time, and a non-resident can only buy a half an ounce of marijuana at any time. Now, so that means it's still not completely legal. And the other thing about Colorado that's strange, you have to have a prescription to get medical, but you don't to get recreational. Yeah,
1: it's still now, a that long...
2: That don't make no sense to me at all. Yeah, we still have a <laughs> long
1: way to go before we truly achieve cannabis liberation, uh, these uh, exactly. little baby steps and are we frustrating. Have keep,
2: we have to keep the heat on, the feet to the fire, because they're going to do everything they can to reverse all this any time that they possibly can, and they got huge money backing them. So the people, uh, it's, like I said, this is an issue where the country can rise up and tell the government, hey, we're in charge, we want this legal, get out of the way, we're the boss. You're not. You're to carry our wishes out because you take our taxes and spend them. Governor Jesse Ventura Thank
1: you so much for those words We appreciate you you joining us here on the show And uh, this sound means You can't handle the truth What a perfect segue Governor Ventura, thank you so much for joining us here For this extended interview Bye 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 And uh, appreciate that Uh, Looking forward to getting a copy of that book Marijuana Manifesto. Check it out online. We'll be back after this safety briefing, taking your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ, 650-LEGAL-MJ when we return.
0: Now, it's time for Joker Talk Radio. The voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tow. I am here with the Or you can talk.
3: Uh, or
0: you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tow toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're forty years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got twelve giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from Beautiful, Portland, Oregon, at J Studios. Freedom!
3: Freedom. Hey, this is great. Freedom, freedom. freedom!
0: Plus your calls, live at 971-533-7111. Freedom, freedom. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enemy man, the Snoopy, Snoopy poop dog.
1: What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality.
4: Holland is it real?
1: Don't tease me. We're locking up
3: people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana and, and the, the next thing you know they got 10 years.
0: And now, here's your host, the guru of Ganja Graphics, the Sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reaper mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Bellville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome everybody to
1: our final live show of 2016. It's time for Toker Talk Radio and good riddance to this horrible, no good, terribly bad year in so many ways, except marijuana. Really, think about. All of the stories in the news, uh, you know, that you can think of that happened in 2016 that uh, uh, were just awful. <laughs> and then the marijuana stories are all good. We got a ton of really good studies that came out. We're going to talk about some of those coming up later up in the hour in uh, a piece from Paul Montano, Normals Deputy Director, out on Alternet.org. And uh, we'll cover that. It's his top 10 uh, science stories, which are are a great list, which is just great news to end our 2016 on. And then uh, we've also uh, – this uh, uh, TGI Fridays thing I wanted to talk about as well. And it's (laughs) – you know, I wrote up this story on how the TGA Fridays in Maryland had posted this sign that said they wouldn't seat or serve customers who have a strong marijuana odor. And I wrote it up and I wanted to see, well, are these is this the kind of place that drug tests? And sure enough, I look it up and I find this Gold Coast Holdings uh, TGA Fridays employee handbook from 2015. It says, yes, there's you know this drug test that's involved to get a job. And I'm like, all right. So I wrote it all up. Well, I have to make a correction. I got an email from a spokesperson from the, uh, Gold Coast Holdings people. And they said, we're not the owners of that TGI Fridays. I'm like, oh, all right. So I looked it up and it sure enough TGI Fridays, the corporation is not owned by them. That's Tri Artisan Capital Partners and Sentinel Capital Partners that own the whole corporation. Now this Gold Coast Holdings, they're a franchisee. They, own and operate like eighty-two of them, uh, eighty-two of these TGR Fridays in Florida, New York, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, not Maryland. So I retract that part of the uh, of the article <laughs> that the Gold Coast to imply that the Gold Coast was the owner of the TGI Fridays in question. Now, whether or not there you have to offer up a cup of your piss. To get a job there? Uh, No, that's not in dispute. (laughs) We're not retracting that. That's absolutely in your employee handbook. Uh, Further research finds that it's Jackmont Hospitality, I believe, that operates the TGA Fridays in Maryland. Can't confirm if this is the exact location in question, but turns out Jackmont – and what a name, right? Jackmont Hospitality. Turns out they require a uh, cup of piss from you as well to determine if you're – Qualified to uh, serve the, I don't know, what is it, chicken fingers? What do they serve at these damn things? Anyway, so there's your correction. I want to make sure that the record was absolutely clear on that one. Also, sad news in our 2016 local here uh, in Oregon, uh, James Bowman, who's a, a licensed grower, in our Oregon uh, marijuana program, recreational grower uh, in Southern Oregon, Jackson County. He's been in the headlines before uh, for various reasons, and, and I've actually kind of gone rounds with him, but uh, <laughs> as is want to happen here uh, with many people, but uh, he's a licensed grower, and he got beaten and robbed. Uh, a lot of his crop was, was stolen, right? And, of course, that's terrible. That's awful. Condemn that. Absolutely. But the story here Isn't that a pot grower got beaten and robbed? That happens all the time. It's that when you call the cops, they go after the thieves and the assaulters and not the pot grower. Stay tuned. We're back right after this.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CapsRadio.com.
3: Every strain, every cell, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orange Hill Doc Rob, the concierge for better living.
2: Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth
3: that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real raw inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life.
2: Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier. A little Better.
3: The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob, only
0: on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Today at the Drug War Data Minds, we're going to take a deeper look at something we talked about on a previous uh, program, and that is that prohibition pot prices aren't deterring teen marijuana use. The Washington Post is the latest media outlet to report on this UC Davis study. Uh, it's claiming that uh, in Washington State, 8th and 10th graders have been influenced by marijuana legalization there. That because they legalized, it reduced their perceptions of marijuana's harms. You know, not that we're like finally telling the truth now. <laughs> Marijuana is going to cause radiation damage. Uh, yeah, of course, their harm perception went down. Uh, and uh, it's leading them to smoke more. Right. That's that's what's going on, according to uh, this UC Davis study. Now, Christopher Ingram does his usual stellar job framing this study as an outlier compared to the numerous reports of legalization causing no increase in teen marijuana use nationally or in Colorado. Uh, In his diligence to provide voices of balance on the issue, he emailed New York university professor of public policy, Mark A.R. Kleiman, the man who was tapped by Washington state to be their cannabis policy consultant uh, to offer his opinion. This is from the post quote, In an email, Kleiman pointed out that in Washington state, the recreational marijuana market didn't open until halfway through 2014 and then only in limited form. That's halfway through the after period, 2013 to 2015, in the pediatric study. Kleiman said there's an even easier way to ensure that adolescent marijuana use remains at a minimum level. Make sure marijuana doesn't become too cheap. Quote, there's reason to think that adolescents are more price sensitive than adults with respect to cannabis use, he said. So I'd advise states that legalize to do what they can to keep prices from falling, end quote. All right, that's the end of the, the, the post. And I would just like to know what would that reason be? What reason is there to believe this? The extensive research, reports from the teens themselves? Or are we just guessing? This hypothesis that high marijuana prices should dissuade teen marijuana smoking doesn't really pass the smell test. Prohibition has already jacked the price of marijuana far above what its natural cost should be, yet teen marijuana use has risen and fallen and risen and fallen with no correlation to the change in price. Legalization in the West, for example, has dramatically lowered the price of marijuana here. Yet, the teen marijuana use rates are remaining steady. So, I decided to see how marijuana price correlates with teen marijuana use. If Kleiman's right, we should find more marijuana use where the price is low and less marijuana use where the price is high. So, at first glance, I plug this into a, a scatter graph, where one axis is the price, and the other axis is the percentage of reported monthly teen marijuana use. And this data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health for the teen marijuana use, and data from Priceofweed dot com for the uh, reported state marijuana price. And I used the high grade marijuana price. Um, this had the most data in it, the most submissions, so. Went with that. Uh, I will be the first to admit that's not a necessarily scientific source of data. It's, you know, user reported into a website. There's no validation, blah, blah, blah. But, hey, it's what I had to work with. So I plugged it in, and I found that there was, seemed to be, a little bit of a correlation. Uh, Out of the 25, out of the 50 states, I left D.C. out because it's kind of an outlier. Uh, Out of the 50 states, 22 of them had marijuana prices that were higher than the national average of 320 bucks an ounce. And that had lower than the national average of 7.2% monthly teen use. Hmm. Well, close to half. That's, that's pretty strong. Looks like a pretty strong indication. Uh, there were only nine States that had a high price and yet also had high use 12 that had low price yet high use. And, Seven states that had a low price and low use. And so some of those are make it kind of confusing because when you, if you, if you start really looking at it, you see some weird things. Like you can take two legal states, right? Colorado and Oregon. The price of marijuana is below 250 bucks. Their teen use of marijuana is uh, about 11% and nine and a half percent respectively. Uh, Yet you can find two illegal states. Vermont and New Hampshire, where their price of marijuana is around 350 bucks, 100 bucks more an ounce, but their teen use rates are similar to Colorado and Oregon. Uh, Vermont's like almost 11 percent and uh, New Hampshire is like about nine and a half. Then you can find two rural prohibition states, Idaho and Utah, where the price of marijuana is around 280 bucks. Their teen use of marijuana, though, is really low at four and a half and six and a half about. Yet you can get two other rural prohibition states, uh, uh Iowa and North Dakota, where the price of marijuana is over 360 bucks an ounce. But their teen marijuana use rates are like Utah's and Idaho's, about 5.3 and about 6.2, respectively. So it's not completely consistent. But that's just a snapshot in time. And so you're getting, you're not, you know, what's the effect of legalization, the process here? What's happened over time because this UC Davis study that we're talking about is making this claim that legalization increased the young teen usage in Washington between 2010 and 2015. Even though it didn't in Colorado, even though it didn't happen nationally, even in happen to the twelfth graders in Washington. <laughs> but okay. Young kids from 2010 to 2015. So I made a change to the graph. I I plugged in the, the rate, the change in the marijuana use rate, like which States has had the most relative increase in marijuana use, right? Versus which States have the higher or lower price of marijuana. And when you look at it that way, there's a, a little less correlation going on here of the 31 States where the price of marijuana is above average, it's over 320 bucks an ounce. 15 of them had a decrease in teen marijuana use. 16 of them had an increase. So it was about split. And for the states, you know, there's 19 of them that had below average marijuana price, the cheap marijuana price states, the Western ones, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Utah, low price marijuana well, again, it was about split. 11 of them had a decrease in marijuana use and 8 of them had an increase. Looking at it the other way, there was 26 states that had a decrease in marijuana use and 24 that had an increase. So there's really, you know, over the past six years, it's, you don't really see any sort of pattern there. And there are a few surprises. The legal states of Colorado and Washington had increases in teen use along with low price, but Oregon's teen use rates didn't budge. And we've got the lowest prices in the nation. Meanwhile, North Dakota, North Dakota has both the most expensive marijuana and the greatest rate of teen marijuana use increase. The high price hasn't deterred those kids from using marijuana more. Virginia has got the second most expensive marijuana in the country but they saw nearly 20% decline in teen marijuana use rates. So opposite of North Dakota. Oklahoma had the biggest decrease in teen marijuana use rates. And yet their marijuana use costs 350 bucks an ounce. So maybe the price is affecting it or maybe not. Doesn't seem to work in North Dakota. But no matter how you slice and dice this data, it does miss one crucial point. The artificially inflated price of marijuana only guarantees more market share for illegal dealers, many of whom are teenagers, <laughs> right? Like we've learned this from prohibition. The more expensive it is, the more profit there is, the more crime there is, the more problem there is. These other, you know, climate and these public policy experts, they, this this whole keep pot expensive idea. They're basing it on, you know, the data from alcohol and tobacco, which it has been shown that you increase the taxes on cigarettes and alcohol and you have lower use of by teens of alcohol and tobacco. We're seeing the lowest use rates ever. It's, it's been a contributing factor. The only problem with applying that policy to marijuana is that very few people have the resources and ability to grow tobacco or distill spirits or at least efficiently enough to sell them for profit at prices below the legal market. I mean, we're already seeing how 20 to 37% taxation on marijuana in the legal States has left a thriving underground market for marijuana. That's aided by the legality of home growing, of course, except Washington and personal possession. It's that market that's selling to teens, not the overtaxed legal market. If Look, if you really want to reduce the teen use of marijuana, The goal should be to move as much of that market into the adults-only stores that check ID as we can. The better the legal market can compete with the low cost of home growing, the more difficult it becomes to make a living as an illegal dealer who sells to kids. I know it's so counterintuitive to these people, but really, the more marijuana there is, the more legal shops there are, and the cheaper you make it, the less kids will have access to it. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. <laughs> we are proving it day after day here in the Western states. You shall see, but you can only ruin this by overtaxing it, overregulating it, jacking the price up to where the underground market can continue to compete. That's what we need to) oh week blue. No, it's never the wrong week, by God, Lloyd Bridges. <laughs> hey, folks, it's 420. It's the last 420 of the show for 2016. I hope we have a whole lot more great 420s coming up in 2017. You can help us out, too. Make that a reality. If you can donate to the show, do so. Russ at RadicalRuss.com on PayPal. And thanks to those who already have.
3: And it, and it goes
0: down to Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform I smoke pot and I like it a lot Arr! 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 CannabisRadio.com presents the Russ Bellville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey,
3: this is great, man
0: yeah. We love it. Arr! Arr! Now, here's your host Radical
1: Russ Melville. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non toking lovers of liberty. It is Friday, December 30th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And it's almost the end of this wretched year. Yeah, let's finally get rid of this. Yes, 2016, we only have to get through one more day without somebody beloved passing away. What a broken heart, uh, we all have here for, you know, having the death of Carrie Fisher followed up by the death of her mother, Debbie Reynolds, on the day she was planning her daughter's funeral. Oh my God. It's like, geez, uh, what, what, what else can you do to us, 2016? Uh, you almost don't want to tempt fate, but, uh, Anyway, I hope you're all preparing for a fun and exciting new year coming up in twenty seventeen. We'll have plenty to bring you here on the Russ Belleville Show and on cannabisradio.com. All sorts of new podcasts, including uh my friend Engayo Bielam has a new podcast on Cannabis Radio, Rolling with Engayo, You gotta check it out. It's entertaining as hell. Coming up on today's show, we're looking back on 2016 and playing some of my favorite clips from the year. And we've got a special one to end the year with. I had an extended discussion. With the former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, in our Reformers Readers segment, he was hawking his book, The Marijuana Manifesto, and we had a lively discussion. And so we'll give that to you at half past here, my extended interview with Governor Jesse Ventura. But uh, also here in the first hour, we, of course, will start things off with the Cannabis Radio News in the headlines to Today, we've got some shenanigans in Massachusetts to tell you about, a new law to try to address a driving loophole in California's Prop 64. We've got Maine trying to play the the run-out-the-clock game as well on marijuana legalization taking effect, and great news, on the other hand, coming from the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico to deliver for you, and the reaction of law enforcement to the fact that uh, New Year's Eve is happening tonight in Las Vegas. And at midnight, it becomes January 1st, and marijuana becomes legal in Las Vegas uh, and Nevada, the whole state for that matter. And uh, we'll tell you how they're reacting to that. Also in our one in Behind the Headlines, we're going to get into this uh, story that's uh, getting some traction. It's been reported on in Forbes now on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. This is the uh, cyclical vomiting that happens uh, from time to time, and uh, we'll get to the truth behind this cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome uh when we uh, get behind the headlines so uh, stay tuned for that then in hour 2 we'll do a lot of our regular hour 1 segments uh we've got a correction for you on that TGA Friday story uh that's uh, really not much to correct uh but then we're also going to have time for some drug war data mining and we're going to take a look at the relationship between the price of marijuana and the use of it by teenagers. Does the high price of marijuana deter teenage marijuana use. Then, after our safety meeting, uh, we'll get into a radical rant where I'm going to comment on those stories in the headlines from Massachusetts and Maine, where both governments there are trying to delay the opening of pot shops. And I'm going to tell you what I think they're trying to do, what they're up to in these legislative shenanigans. Also, in Hour 2, we've got Paul Armentano's Top 10 Marijuana Science Stories from 2016. We can end the year on on a happy note. Uh, and uh, then we will promptly shut that. Uh, well, no, we'll end the year on a happy note. I'm going to adjust the uh, lineup a little bit. <laughs> I want to close on that last story. Hey, stay tuned. We're back with the uh, last headline news of 2016. I'm Radical Russ, live from Delta 9 Studios in Potland, Oregon.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing, so are we. Grow with us, CannabisRadio.com. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge
3: big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time. To help you more effectively run your cannabis business, go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the
1: wild. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Senator Mark Madsen of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Everybody kind of turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state. Representative Lee Fredericks, we're going to get something on the order of nonviolent possession offenses. State Representative Kathy Tilton. Where does the Bellville Festival use? It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of P.O.T., weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com.
0: The Russ Belleville Show. Providing dictionaries to drug czars since
1: 2009. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker signed a bill Friday aimed at delaying by up to six months the opening of marijuana shops in the state until mid-2018. An aide to the Republican governor said Baker shares the desire of state lawmakers to thoroughly prepare for the launch of a new industry distributing a controlled substance. Baker's decision to sign the bill came as a small group of marijuana activists protested outside the state house. M- members of the Massachusetts Cannabis Reform Coalition and the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws faulted lawmakers for passing the bill during end-of-year sessions and said the delay, quote, flies in the face of the will of the voters, end quote, who approved the ballot question legalizing pot. The House and Senate passed the bill Wednesday without a public hearing and without debate during informal sessions in both chambers. Only a handful of lawmakers were present. Newly introduced legislation seeks to ban behavior not addressed by California's new pot law, toking while driving. It's currently illegal to have an open container of weed in a vehicle. It's also illegal to drive while high. But there's a technical loophole in these existing laws because they don't address actual usage while driving, nor do they define whether a pipe, joint, or edible are considered open containers. The proposed Senate Bill 65 would make it an infraction for anyone to smoke or consume marijuana in any form while driving a vehicle or piloting a boat or plane, consistent with the law on alcohol. Earlier this month, Assemblyman Tom Lackey, a Republican from Palmdale, a 28-year veteran with the California Highway Patrol, introduced a bill intended to give police officers the right to use saliva-based roadside testing devices on drivers they believe are under the influence of marijuana. Campaigners who opposed a referendum to make marijuana legal in Maine are now calling for a moratorium on implementation of legalization. Voters narrowly approved legalization of marijuana last month. The new law calls for a nine month implementation period in which state regulators will make rules for marijuana retailers and social clubs. The anti legalization group, Mainers Protecting Our Youth and Communities, say this isn't enough time. The group wants lawmakers to halt implementation until at least summer 2018. The state is also waiting for Governor Paul LePage to issue a proclamation of the results. The law goes into effect a month after LePage makes the proclamation. LePage, a Republican, has questioned whether the marijuana law can be legally implemented. Pro marijuana campaigners say the moratorium call is a stalling tactic. <sighs> Medical marijuana dispensaries have begun operating for the first time in the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico. Governor Alejandro Garcia Padilla said Friday that two dispensaries opened nearly two years after his administration adopted a regulation to allow for the cultivation, manufacturing and distribution of medical marijuana. Nearly 2,000 patients have registered with the island's health department so far to obtain medical marijuana. Officials say the substance can be used in forms including pills, creams, patches and oral. Drops smoking marijuana and cultivating it for personal use remains illegal. Although Garcia has said prosecuting marijuana possession would be given the lowest priority by his administration, police will fan out in force both in uniform and undercover to keep crowds safe during Las Vegas's extravagant New Year's Eve celebration. Authorities said Thursday. While recreational marijuana use for people 21 and over becomes legal in Nevada on January 1st, police reiterated that consumption is not allowed in public places and should be done at home. Using pot in public is a misdemeanor that carries a fine of up to $600. Driving under the influence of marijuana is also illegal. Retail dispensaries are not yet allowed to sell marijuana for recreational use and can only provide their products to people with valid medical marijuana cards. It's an all-hands-on-deck situation for Las Vegas police, who are barred from taking vacation during New Year's Eve holiday period. Clark says all officers will either be working or on call. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 30th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
4: We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeart Radio.
0: Baker. Look for new episodes at CannabisRadio.com,
3: TheRealDirt.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio.
4: It's time for Cannabis Facts about Alzheimer's from Robert The TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wank concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from the SilverTour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com.
0: You're listening to Radical Russ The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Bellville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
1: Today in the Cannabis Focus, I want to talk about this story that's gaining some traction. I saw it on uh, Forbes.com and uh, then subsequently checked out all of the reports on it. It has to do with uh, cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. And as it was reported, the uh, problem is, and this is uh, from the story that was on uh, Forbes, Dr. Kennan Hurd, an emergency room physician at the University of Colorado Hospital in Aurora, Colorado, co-authored a study showing that since 2009, when medical marijuana became widely available, emergency room visit diagnoses for cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome in two Colorado hospitals nearly doubled. Oh, no. OK, so um, <laughs> first of all, let me just make it clear that there is such a thing as cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. I've suffered it twice uh, and it's not pleasant. And it's basically you just have overloaded your endocannabinoid system by either doing too big of a dab at once or you ate too much edibles or whatever it might be. And it, you get this violent cyclical vomiting fit. And I mean, you empty your stomach and you're still puking. You're just dry heaving. I'm I'm telling you, it's not a pleasant thing. It really does exist, but there is no epidemic folks. This <laughs> is not like, Oh my God, we legalized marijuana and suddenly everybody's puking their guts out. I mean, the problem with this is a trick that they use in reporting on studies. And I don't know that it's, uh, you know, uh, on purpose for some of these outlets or or they're just reporting what they're told, but it's when they use a ratio or a percentage to try to scare you with something when the absolute values of this thing are minuscule. All right. This is something I picked up from talking to Dr. Mitch for eight years now. Uh, the quote in question is emergency room visit diagnoses for CHS, the cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, the vomiting. In two Colorado hospitals, nearly doubled. It's like, oh, my God, nearly doubled. Well, here's the actual numbers from the from the study itself. The prevalence of cyclical vomiting visits increased from 41 per 113,262 emergency room visits to 87 of 125,095 emergency room visits after marijuana liberalization. (gasps) Oh, my God. Over the course of a year, 87 pot smokers in Colorado puked their guts out in two hospitals. Hmm. All right. (laughs) Well, let's see now. The rate of annual pot smoking. For people ages 12 and older in Colorado in 2010-2011 was almost 17%. There were 4.3 million people in Colorado. About 82% of them are age 12 and older. That's about 3.5 million. 17% of that works out to about 600,000 annual pot smokers. So in other words, in these two hospitals, we had a little over 1.5 one hundredths of 1% of Colorado's pot smokers that year that suffered CHS. <laughs> okay. Now maybe that stat's not entirely fair because the guy that is smoking once a year, isn't going to be, you know, the candidate for CHS. It's only gonna be the heavy marijuana users, right? So, I'd like to get the daily use figures drilled down for Colorado. I can't find that online and it's hard to find even daily numbers for the general population, but the uh, monitoring the future study uh, recently cited the national daily use rate among college students aged 19 to 28 was at a 35 year high of 5.1%. So even if we pretend that every CHS case was aged 18 and older, and we pretend that the daily pot smoking rate among Everyone 18 and older is 5.1%, which it's not. The older folks don't smoke that much. But pretend they do. We'd still only be looking at 87 CHS cases among 163,000 daily tokers, a rate of just five one hundredths of one percent. And here's the other quote that I wanted to zero in on. He says, quote, it is certainly something that before legalization, we almost never saw. Now we're seeing it quite frequently. All right. So before legalization, there was 41 out of 113,000. That's one for every 2,700 patients. After legalization, there's 87 out of 125,000. That's one every 1,400 or so in two hospitals. So have that for each, right, for one hospital. So in another way to look at it, before legalization, a doctor in one of those hospitals would see a CHS case once every 18 days. You know, almost never. And after they'd see one every eight days, you know, quite frequently. <laughs> it's OK. And and of course, the bottom line on this, the serious confounding issue here is that any stat you take on what people were doing with marijuana before legalization has the confounding factor of people not wanting to admit they were committing a crime. The possibility of prosecution. This this confounds the stats on the kids eating the edibles, the dogs eating the edibles, the people going in for vomiting syndrome. They don't want to admit the real reason they went in there. Well, what the hell is supposed to do, you moron? Well, what I say we do is just to maintain some calm on this and not... These headlines of oh my god, there's a spike. That was how one of these places put it a spike in this cyclical vomiting syndrome. Oh my god, no, there's probably just more people reporting it for what they've always had, or not as afraid to go to the hospital for it.